Good morning. I thought I scared someone over there. But, uh, thanks for having my wife and myself here today. Thanks for the warm welcome. Um, again, my name is Louis Livingston. I serve as one of the elders of the church uh, in New York. And when I'm not being a husband or father or grandfather, I have a professional job where I work as a project manager for an international company uh, with office in New Jersey. And with me is my wife, who when she's not being a wife, a, a mother and a grandmother, she works as a developmental pediatrician at one of the hospitals in New Jersey. So we uh, tend to have a pretty full, busy life. But we are so glad to be here with you this morning. Uh, I thank Phil and Leslie for the invite, but I also thank and appreciate them for the work they're doing, not just here in Brooklyn, but throughout the kingdom of God. You guys are certainly uh, blessed having them here to lead your ministry. Amen? Uh, today, uh, my title is going to be Persevere to the Finish. Okay, it's up there. Um, trying to learn to multitask here, right? This is not my full-time job, so I'm kind of adjusting as I go along here. But, you know, um, the Christian life is often compared to a marathon. As a matter of fact, in the first part of Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrew used the analogy of running a race marked out for us. It's a long-distance race, and I hope, like the writer of Hebrew, to use this analogy to encourage and to inspire you in your race, in your walk with God. I'd like to look at it from three different points. How we start, how we run, and most importantly, how we finish. Amen? We don't want to start something we, are, we don't finish, right? So what is a marathon? A marathon is a 2.6 miles race, run, walk, run, walk, distance that we try to cover in the shortest time possible. The course itself varies depending on the location. If you're running a marathon in Florida, it's probably generally going to be flat. On the other hand, if you're running in Colorado, it may be a little bit more challenging, more hilly. And if you're in a New York marathon, it's going to be both. There, there are a few hills in New York, and especially if you have to run over those bridges, you don't realize how high those bridges are unless you try to walk or go over them. Feet. You know, I've never run a marathon myself, but I've, I know several people who have run marathons. The closest I ever came to a marathon was uh, several years ago. As some of you may know, my first wife uh, died from breast cancer in 2004. So to honor her, I decided to do the Avon Walk for breast cancer. So after signing up and making a pledge, the pledge at, at that time was 
a minimum of t raising $2,500. I, I, I'm not sure if that was the requirement or if that was a pledge I made, but it was $2,500 uh, was involved in, in, in my entry. And so after the entry, uh, I was given instructions about the race course, about training, and about the general logistics uh, for the race day. So after uh, getting the information, of course, I, I read it. And part of it was, you know, just training on my own. I'd get up and walk three miles in the morning during the week, and on weekends I'd walk 10 miles. Additionally, I'd meet up at different times with people in Central Park, group, group uh, of people who were doing the same race. We'd meet up in Central Park, and we'd run. And, you know, as you, you run, some of these people have done it before, so not only are they helping you to know how to run on race day, but they're giving you tips how to prepare, the, how to prepare your feet, how to, the type of shoes to wear, the type of socks you wear, something that will wick away the water from your feet, you know, some things that you wouldn't think of. But, you know, uh, uh, they, there was a lot of helpful tips that came with the instruction from the material they gave me and also from the people I, I, I ran, uh, I've trained with. Now, if you compare this walkathon, my entry to this walkathon with, you know, uh, um, being a Christian, you, the same question may come up. Why do I want to be a Christian? Why do I want to enter this race, this lifestyle, this life? And how do I enter? What kind of commitment is required for me to enter? Well, for some insights on that, let's look at a scripture uh, here in Matthew chapter 13. In verse 44 through 46, it reads, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. You see, in the case of the first man, it doesn't say that he was looking for treasure. He said he found the treasure. But when he found this treasure, he realized it to be of great value. Such a great value that after counting the cost, he went back and he gave up everything he had so that he could possess this treasure. The second man... He was looking for something. He obviously had some things, but he was unfulfilled. There was something that was lacking. He was looking for something. And he said he found this pearl. When he found this pearl and he realized the value, he traded, he gave everything he had so that he could... Uh, possess this this pearl. In 1975, my first day on campus at the University of Florida in Gainesville, 
I was invited out uh, to a worship service. I was invited to church. And I was very religious at the time, but I went to Gainesville to go to school. I wasn't even thinking of going to church. Church for when I was back home in Fort Lauderdale, where I lived at the time. Uh, but when I went to church, but you know, although I was religious, I knew, I felt there were things that were missing. I, I felt like there was more to it. So I felt there's some, uh, some holes, there's some things that I needed that weren't there. When I went to uh, visit church the first time, I heard the message. It was clear. I saw the relationships of the, of the Christians there. Just how they fellowship, how they knew each other, the kind of conversation they had. And that appealed to me. I was also invited out by some of, my, uh, some of the other college students to, to just go hang out and spend time. And I saw their relationship. I saw their, their lives. And I knew I didn't have those kinds of relationships. And that appealed to me. So later on, when I was uh, asked to study the Bible and to go to Bible studies, I agreed. You know, um, some of you here today may be here because you were just walking down the street or you were just minding your own business and someone invited you and you're here today. Others of you may have been searching for God and you were invited and you're here today. My encouragement to you is to listen and to look. And, if, uh, and when you're invited to study Bible, take up the offer. Because you will find out that in the Bible, in the scriptures, and in the lives of disciples, you will see treasure. You'll see the pearl that God has placed in the lives of disciples. And, and I know, like me, it will, be some, it will be attractive to you. So, you know, uh, just to answer those two questions, where do I, how do I enter? And what kind of commitment? See, the first is accept the offer to study Bible. Because it's in studying the Bible that we know how to enter. And the commitment, just like it was for those two lives we look at, those two who found the treasure and the pearl, it's everything we have. It's everything we have. And of course, it involved counting the cost. But if you truly see the treasure in the scriptures, counting the cost and giving up everything, you will see that it's worth it. Amen? You see, being a Christian is more than just going to worship on Sundays. It's so much more. It's a life. It's the relationships. It's a friendship. It's a relationship with God. Amen? So, I pray that this will be your heart and attitude, wanting that treasure, wanting the relationship with God. So we made that decision. We, we, we studied the Bible. And like this uh, young lady we saw this morning, 
you know, she's baptized. She started her race, right? Um, Let me see if I can work this thing here. No? Ah, the marathon. You know, we see people at the start of a marathon. You know, they're kind of ready. You know, they've done their training. This is race day. You know, some are meditating, some are praying. You know, they're saying, Lord, forgive me for what I'm going to do to my body, you know. So, you know, we're ready. You know, this lady, she's ready to start her journey. And here we go. You know, lot, lots of people, they're running. But the race is challenging. You see, whether you're a professional or you're just a recreational runner, everyone gets tired running a marathon. And so there's fatigue, there's different things that happen. You know, we need help. We need people to help us in the marathon as we run. You know, as I mentioned earlier, in the marathon, and a marathon depends on the, on the location. You know, for some place, it's flat. And, you know, sometimes we see people like this young lady. She made the decision, and she starts out. And it's like running on a flat surface. Everything is smooth. You know, um, if, you're, if you're married, you, get, uh, you have a greater relationship with your spouse. Singles, you have uh, uh, different and better friends to hang out with. You don't uh, have to deal with the gossips and the, uh, and the competition and the backbiting and all the things that can sometimes go with being a, a single. You know, um, life just seems so much better. Things kind of come together. You got that promotion. You, people at work like you better. You know, uh, your life has changed. It's changed for the better. And, and you think, man, I wish I had done this earlier. wish I had done this a long time ago. But then for others, you start your race, you get out that baptism, and it's like hell broke loose. You know, uh, you're married and your spouse is angry at you because he or she did not uh, are he and she resented the commitment you make. Your family, they're mad at you because they felt like you've, uh, you've changed religion, you've departed from their religion, and they ostracize you. They don't want to have anything to do with you. Your friends at work, well, you don't hang out with them the same way you did before. You're religious now. Your life is a conviction. So you, you, you're left out. And you can feel sometimes left out. You know, it's like starting off the marathon going uphill. And that can be brutal. But you see, whether we're on the flat, the hilly, or the flat and hilly, just like everyone gets tired in a marathon, everyone has challenges. Because even the ones who are going smooth, sometimes life throws challenges, illness. Uh, death, disappointments, overburdened by taking on too much, not knowing when to say no. We all have challenges, and we all need help. 
We all need help. You know, so um, just, okay, so let's look at the, in the scriptures to get some insights as to where this help comes from. Um, how we navigate these challenges that we face in our lives, okay? Let's first look in Acts chapter 17, verses 11 and 12. You know, this is a passage we often use when we are introducing people to the Bible and encouraging them to read the Bible, right? But, you know, this is a scriptures, scripture that that's, uh, uh, is valid and is important throughout our lives, It says, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures. When? Every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and Greek men. He said, they examined the scriptures every day. You see, to run this race and to handle the challenges that we face, we need to have a conviction that we need to have the Word of God speak to us every day. You know, not just uh, uh, at some times, but uh, every day. In Isaiah chapter uh, 66 and verse 2, this is what it says. As not my hand made all these things, and, and so they came into being, declares the Lord, these are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in heart and who trembles at my word. Those who revere the word of God. Those who have respect for the word of God. The type of reverence and respect that will draw us to wanting to be in the scripture every day because we know how it feeds us, how it feeds our soul. We see the benefit. We see the treasure that continues to come from it to our lives that enable us, that strengthens us as we face uh, the challenge that we we navigate every day. In in Psalm chapter 5, verse 3, this is the the, uh, uh, King David, a man who by Scripture is regarded as a, as a man after God's heart. His heart reflects the heart of God. This is what he says. It says, In the morning, Lord, I hear your, uh, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait for expectation. David saw the need to be before God. He saw the need for God to hear his voice. He saw the need to go to God and to make requests. Requests that would enable him to navigate the race marked out for him. You know, uh, for me, I wake up at 5.30 in the morning because uh, that's the time that works for me. I wake up, I get my coffee, and I sit, and I read, and I pray. Because later on, my, uh, my head starts going all over the place, all kind of things. And I can't slow it down long enough to kind of focus. So the best time for me is that time. Your best time may be a different time. But I encourage you, I implore you to take the time 
to read and to pray, to keep that pearl looking good, to keep that pearl special, to have the same conviction. Amen? So, we've started. So, how do we run? Okay. Let me go back here for a little bit. Okay, let me advance. You see, as we're running, there are going to be accidents. Sometimes we're going to fall. Even the professionals fall. You can tell by the colors, you know. These are some, probably some Kenyan women. So you know they're professionals, but even the professionals fall. Even the, the people who look like can't fall, fall, and need help. Amen? So let me go back here a little bit. So um, let's turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 12 here. Uh, uh, first, let's turn Hebrews 3, I'm sorry. Again, the Hebrew writer says, in, in talking about what it takes as we're running, it says, uh, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that no one, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Here it's, 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 encourage, it's telling us we need to encourage one another. You know, just as we see in the race as people uh, are breaking down, they need the encouragement and they have those who, as they're running, they see the needs for others. And they stop for help. In Hebrews 10, 24, 25, it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. As we're running, we're looking, we're seeing the need. And we're considering the need. And so we're putting ourselves out to help others, to encourage others. But we also need to be humble and to accept the encouragement. You know, uh, sometimes we can feel like, oh, I got it together. I don't need the help. And sometimes we feel that way when we're doing our worst because that's when we're most prideful. But, uh, you know, sometimes other can, others can see things that we don't see. We all have blind spots. And others can see things that we don't see. Allow yourself to be encouraged. Allow others to encourage you. Uh, you know, it says, that's how you will keep the conviction that you had at first, by being encouraged. In Galatians 5, it also goes, in Galatians 6, I'm sorry, it also goes on to say, in verse 2, Carry each other's burden, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Sometimes we need to just say, brother, sister, 
Let me help you with this. I see you're struggling. How can I help you? Or here's some thoughts, here's some ideas. You know, let ourselves be helped. Let someone help us with our burdens. Even Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. His burden is light. His yoke is easy. He'll take your burden. Sometimes we need help from a friend to carry our burden. So the, the, the way we are able to run is we need to be in the word. We need to pray. We need to encourage one another. And we need to accept the encouragement from others. Amen? So, um, we'll come back to this. So, as you see these runners, you notice that there's uh, barricades on each side. And there are people there. Those people are there. They're cheering on the runners. You know, a friend of mine who ran in the marathon, he said during the training, someone told him to put his name on the bib. The bib is the thing on the front with your number. He said to write his name on there. Because as you're running, as you get to those tough parts where you start walking because of cramping and all this, that people will call you by name and encourage you specifically by name. Hey, Lewis, come on, you can do it. Let's go, come on, keep it going. Elliot, come on, get up. <laughs> but but uh, people will call your name specifically and encourage you. You know, and, and so those are some of the tips that you can get from others who have done it before you, who have been where you are, been where you're going to go. And they can help you. They can prepare you for, for those challenges. You know, so we have these people on the sidelines who are just really encouraging us. So let's look at Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and see what it says there. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It says, these men, you can read about the list of these uh, cloud of witnesses in Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Enoch, Barak, Moses, all these great men who laid their lives down. In, uh, uh, in Hebrews eleven thirteen, it says, all these men died still living by faith. All that they went through, Isaiah was sawed in two. All that they went through, they never gave up their faith. 
They trust in God. And these are the men who are on the sideline, the the cloud of witnesses that are imploring us, that are encouraging us. Let's go. You know, we need to take time to read about these men in the scriptures. To read about their lives. To see what they overcome. It will inspire. It will encourage us in our walk. They will certainly be that cloud of, uh, that, that cloud of witness. Similar to those who line the path for these runners. So we enter the race. We are running. We're dealing with obstacles. We're dealing with them through prayer, through the reading of the word, through encouragement, through being, uh, being, being, being encouraged from the sidelines by uh, men of faith who went on before us. You see, they want the same result that we want. Finish. No one wants to stop short. The finish. Finish. You know, in Second Timothy chapter 4, in verse 7, this is what the Apostle Paul says at the end of his life. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also all who have longed for his appearance. You see, it's not just for the professional who finish at the end, at the uh, first in the races. It's for all who run. This is what we want. You see, these are the finishers. They're raising their hand in triumph. And when we live by the word of God, when we pray, when we're encouraged, when we allow ourselves to be encouraged, when we encourage others, when we fight the good fight, we will finish the race. And like these runners, we too can raise our hand in triumph and say, praise God, I've finished my race. I've finished my race. Amen? That's my encouragement to you. Persevere. Finish the race. Never, 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 never give up. Amen? And to God be the glory.